You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien, and today I have Laura Ehrlich. She is a specialist in holistic reproduction and fertility. She is a fellow of the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. I told you I could remember that acronym and what it meant. I'm proud of myself for doing that. (laughs) And we had such a great conversation. (laughs) Somebody suggested that she be a a guest on my podcast and we had a really nice talk before this. And so I'm excited that, that she's here. And I think we have some really interesting things to talk about, uh, particularly, uh, right now what's going on. Women's health is, um, at the forefront of everyone's mind. So thank you so much for coming and, and thanks for taking the time to be here. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so tell everybody a little bit. Yes, I did. I did recite the acronym, but kind of tell everyone what that means. What well what done. is it? <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. What does that mean? What do you do? And 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 I would love to hear kind of what is your role in in the medical team because you know what what we're talking about today. You do Eastern medicine, um, and there's this weird, you know, I think like everything else right now, we have to have completely binary thinking and you have to pick one or the other. That's the way we are functioning as a society right now, which we both loathe. Um, but I talked to several people, um, about, you know, having you on as a guest and who just said, yeah, absolutely. I love, I, I wish we had more integration of our medical teams and medical care for patients. So tell us what, what's your education? What do you do? And, what is your role on the medical team with women? So essentially, I think that a lot of this just roots all the way back to my own experience in as a child and and growing up. I was sort of always around um, both holistic and Western medicine. I had my parents were sick when I was young, and they definitely constantly utilized both forms of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got older. Um, both of my parents passed away when I was quite young, but by the time I was through with college. And so in my twenties, I was dealing with a lot of my own healing and trying to kind of make my way in the world from this place of having been very, um, you know, pretty significantly traumatized from some of the stuff in my own childhood. And so I was living in New York at the time and I decided to attend massage school and it was there that I really started understanding a little bit more about the way the body works. And as I kind of started pursuing and understanding the human body and my own, it it ended up being a vehicle for my own healing and being how incredibly beneficial it is to kind of start to utilize some outside the realm of just you know, traditional, traditional Western medicine, medicine. Yeah. when it comes, when it comes to a more, a more broad sense of like, you know, is this physical ailment that I'm experiencing related to trauma, related to some prior pain that I've had in the past is my body manifesting this in a physical mm-hmm. way. And so that began, that was sort of my introduction to, oh yeah, this, this 
digestive problem that I'm having actually is directly related to the grief I experienced. And by working through it in this way, I actually feel a lot freer and healthier in my body. And so that began my sort of path. And at that time, it was the late 90s, and it was sort of the early days of doulas in the USA attending births. Uh-huh. And I was very immediately drawn to working with pregnant women. Um, and we can psychoanalyze that, but my psychoanalyst analysis of it for myself <laughs> is that, you know, the the portal of loss and birth is actually the same. And that I was very drawn to sort of being in that space without necessarily wanting to find myself working in hospice care or other things that, you yeah. know, that was that would have been a little bit too much, but that my desire to sort of be in that space and and in the presence of that kind of awesomeness that occurs at that moment, whether it's people coming in or going out, I think that that was a real kind of calling for me. And so working in the birth realm felt really comforting and safe and wonderful to be present and assist and support women in that way. So I started my career really as a massage therapist and a doula. Mm -hmm. And then within a couple of years, decided that I wanted to do something a little bit more clinical. And so I decided to go to acupuncture school and I was back in California at that time. So I attended acupuncture school while I was simultaneously working as a doula and doing pre and postnatal massage. And so I really attended school through that very clear lens. You know, I sought out every person I could find who could teach me about reproductive medicine and infertility and really went through this four-year program with a pretty clear mission at the end of it, that this was what I was going to do. And I was really lucky because when I was ready to do it, I also had a community of other doulas and midwives and doctors who were happy to send people my way. Cause you know, again, 15 years ago, there just weren't as many uh, specialized practitioners in my field. So I just started working and quickly because of my background, I, within about five years, I was already starting to teach some, webinars and courses to other acupuncturists and that Mm -hmm. evolved into teaching doctoral students and so through the course of my career I've essentially sort of built up this this um both clinical and pedagogical pedagogy around Uh integrative medicine where so what I what I teach is yeah western medicine can offer you these things and then holistic medicine, whether we're talking about acupuncture, herbs, nutrition, psychotherapy, hypnosis. I mean, there's so many different ways that people go about accessing um, their own potential for healing. But that when you blend those things together, then you get really lasting outcomes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you Mm -hmm. can, you can take a pill for high blood pressure and it will reduce your blood pressure. But over time, unless you take out the things that cause the high blood pressure in the first place, like um, too much stress in your life or excessive weight gain or being too sedentary, at some point you're going to have to keep up in that dose, right? Because the body is not going to continue to tolerate um, just the medicine. It's going to start to overcome it. And so in my experience as a practitioner, especially in working with women, because our bodies are so profoundly complex, when we incorporate holistic a holistic perspective with an allopathic perspective that people get their desired outcomes tend to come more quickly or or they tend to heal in a more long-term kind of a way I love I love the way that you're saying that because you're not polarizing one or the other and you're not saying 
my field is better or this field is better. You're saying, listen, if you want longevity and the best outcome possible, we have to blend the two because that is something that we've stopped. And we'll talk about why, because you and I very much agree on this, but you know, and particularly in the medical community, but the same is true for the wellness community. It's just kind of the opposite in the medical community, which is essentially had to stop advocating for our patients to become involved with the quote unquote, you know, the other side with the wellness community, because there's been this again, like by very binary thinking, it's like one or the other. Well, I don't want to take a blood pressure pill. I'm just going to work on my diet and exercise, which is great. But in the meantime, we've got to do something about your blood pressure. So it, it, it just can't right. simply can't we just be don't want one you or to have a stroke. <laughs> right. We're just, just trying to keep you alive. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I just, I love that. I'm like, why? And to be fair, kind of to, to both sides, I, I think as doctor's appointments or providers, you know, I'm a nurse practitioner, so I, I, I try to be inclusive, but as all, all of our providers appointments become shorter and shorter and, you know, reimbursement is based mm-hmm. on, how many now RVUs typically, which is um, a relative value unit of like how many patients you see, how complex the visit is. It's not based on time for the most part. Occasionally you can get reimbursed based on time. So if I've got a 15 minute visit and then I'm double booked, you know, sometimes triple booked, just depending on what your practice looks like, that very quickly turns into seven minutes, you know, five minutes. So you have to prioritize, right? Like, okay, if their blood pressure is the the problem and that's what I'm concerned about, I've got to get them on the medicine right away so that I can keep them from having the stroke. And, oh, by the way, while you're walking out the door, I, I might hand you a paper that's like, please exercise and eat less salt, you know, to lower your blood pressure. But I, I don't have the, right. the time in the appointment. That doesn't mean it's not important. It's just so right. much about time. Right. And what a difference it would be if you were able to save your patients. So I'm going to pass you over to our holistic team, and they're going to work with you on your diet. They're going to help you set up an exercise program. They're going to try to get to the bottom of what is going on emotionally that might make you feel like you want to be sedentary. You know, I think that there's also what we're talking about binaries, and this is true in the wellness community too, I think often to a fault, where there's this idea that people's health problems are somehow their fault and that- you if can you are it. sick, that you, yep. it's on you to do something about yeah. it. Yeah. And it fails to, in, if, in my opinion, anyway, it just fails to consider the complexity of the human psyche and that people are not sick on purpose. People right. don't, you know, people don't uh, binge or eat inappropriately because they want to harm themselves. It's right. because they're dealing they're coping. It's the coping mechanism that they've acquired. And so until we help people realign their own nervous systems to be able to be dominant in their that rest and relaxed state, that parasympathetic state, everybody is functioning in fight or flight. Everybody is functioning to survive. And a lot of the coping styles that we have adopted are really unhealthy. How amazing would it be if we if we had a resource for patients where we could say, yes, here's my diagnosis. Here's how I'm going to approach it, but here's the rest of the team who's going to help in these, in these other ways. So, so tell me how, what is it that you do specifically in the women's health space that 
goes alongside, you know, what people might be doing for fertility treatment. Or like you said, we, we talked earlier and you said, yes, you absolutely work with people with PCOS or endometriosis or just, just issues in, in general that we all, you know, women as a whole have to think about. So, I mean, a lot of the work that I do, I think the reason why I've evolved to have this perspective is because the vast majority of my patients are working concurrently with an allopathic physician at the same time, whether uh-huh. they are going through fertility treatments or they're pregnant and they're working with an OBGYN. There's, there, I always have to consider what is happening in their, on the on the medical side of things for them in the work that I do. Um, so, primarily, I, because I think what I'm sort of evolved to be known for, if you will, is fertility. Um, and that really is inclusive of anything related to women's health. So things like endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, premature ovarian failure, early mm-hmm. menopause. Um, many of my patients are, you know, a little bit on the older side trying to conceive. And so there's a fair amount of uh, anti-aging work, if you will, around trying to get the ovaries to function like they're a little bit younger and to be working more efficiently. Okay. Um and then also throughout pregnancy to just help kind of, I call the pregnancy work. I do parallel care that I'm just providing right. <laughs> holistic prenatal care yeah. alongside their allopathic pre- prenatal care. So, you know, I try to see my patients on roughly the same schedule that they're seeing their OBGYN. It's just an easy way for them to remember to come in and, you know, I work with them on however, whatever's going on, however they're feeling physically or um, if they are having a lot of nausea or morning sickness or um, a lot of emotional stuff that comes up during pregnancy, during fertility. My fertility patients, many of them, not all certainly, many of them are undergoing IUI and IVF at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, my role is about helping them figure out what, what they can do to optimize those outcomes. And there's a lot of data around that. So, you know, one of the things about the the fertility space in terms of Chinese medicine specifically, acupuncture and herbal medicine, is that there is a lot of research that kind of corroborates the work that we're doing. Although, to be fair, it is difficult to research acupuncture and Chinese medicine in the same way that we would do a double-blind you know, trial around a drug or a medication because it's hard right. to identify placebo, whether that's sham acupuncture or not using acupuncture at all. But it, so it makes yeah. it a little bit more difficult to quantify. But um well, in correlation clinically like, speaking there and may be more... totally speaking. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well I mean there certainly is data that says, you know, for example, there's a study about called um a whole systems Chinese medicine study that was done by a colleague of mine. And uh-huh. what that study concluded is that people who are using all the aspects of Chinese medicine, which really means acupuncture, herbal medicine, diet, you know, nutrition. Um, in my case, I use supplements as well with my patients, as well as doing any kind of trauma work or emotional work that may be impacting their physical being. Um, and that actually doing that increases success rates by upwards of 75%, like it's a very significant number when people... Yeah take the time to really prepare their bodies in a conscious way to become pregnant. 
versus just diving right into whatever scenario that they're faced with and then starting shots right away or starting to try to do egg retrievals or IUIs or whatever it is before taking the time to kind of get themselves into as healthy as a state as as that individual can be, which is a little different for everybody. And of course, the best thing is that oftentimes people get pregnant on the way. You know, they don't end yeah. up needing to do IVF because they get pregnant while they're preparing themselves. But it's that preparation piece that from a, from a pregnancy standpoint that I think is really lacking in our culture and that there's not a lot of conversation around that coming from mm. doctors or, you know, if a woman has a pregnancy loss, it's just sort of chalked mm. up to, oh, that's too bad. Just try again. And we're not going to yeah. really go too far into figuring out why until this has happened to you three times and that's not my favorite supplements and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now so how do we know what to choose in a brand my family personally uses thorn thorn has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country including the mayo clinic and charleston's own medical university of south carolina you can order any thorn product through me when you create your account at thorn.com slash you slash dabbleco and you'll receive 15% off and free shipping on all your future orders. When you create your account, you'll just be prompted to confirm dabbleco as your referral and the discounts applied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash you like the letter U slash dabbleco. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. So and, and I'd rather just right in there. what you're doing. Because I'm thinking about Some like practice. What I'm doing. Uh huh. Okay. So yeah, and the and the reason I asked that is because yeah. like so chiropractic, some chiropractic is covered. I mean, if not most chiropractics, and then you can sometimes get like massage therapeutic massage covered. And I talked to um, the the founder of she's a registered dietitian, but she founded a company that's doing all this virtual stuff. Because as you're talking, I'm thinking like, gosh, who? <sighs> if insurance doesn't cover this and then it's, it just kind of creates a disparity of like, who's able to access this, but I know you're, you're starting some online courses and things like that. Like how, how do people get yeah. access to this one, if their insurance doesn't cover it. And then two, if they don't have, you know, your type of resource in their, in their town. Cause the reality is, you know, most people wouldn't, I mean, what, how do you, what do you think about that? Right. Oh, it's, I mean, it's such a complicated issue, especially in this country, you know, at the type right. of practice that I have, I, I provide super bills for my patients okay. uh, and I, I did use to bill insurance. I don't, I can't do it anymore because the reimbursement yeah. rates for acupuncture specifically are so low that it just becomes yeah. a, you know, a losing proposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, unfortunately in, America, most IVF is also not covered. So patients are coming to see me under tremendous financial burden. And it's utterly unfair that women are placed with this sort of like, you know, here we are in charge of like propagating the species. But if you're going to have any trouble, it's going to be, you know, 50 grand out of your own pocket. Good luck with that. Please give us a good kid. You know, it's just like, it's 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 just part of this nonsense that we're stuck in in our very broken healthcare system. Um, so one of the things that I have done just to try to get the information out there to people is I created these online courses that 
at least are a, a comprehensive baseline in terms of what should, how should you time your intercourse if you're trying to get pregnant naturally? Uh-huh. What are the things that, what are the things you want to look out for in terms of red flags if you might need to seek care? What are the, what are some of the nutritional strategies that you can take? What is it, what does conscious conception mean? What does it mm-hmm. mean to, um, really work on your nervous system, which yep. from my perspective is just the key to the whole kingdom. It's like if our nervous systems are not in a state of stress and fear, our bodies are able to function far more optimally. And so a lot of the work that I do is really around that. Like, How do we unpack the sort of foreboding feeling that so many people are walking around with or that sense of stress and and anxiety that is so pervasive it's a very antithetical place to become pregnant from it doesn't mean one can't become pregnant when they're super stressed out but when you add other confounding factors like endometriosis or being 40 years old or you know any other variety of issues an autoimmune condition or other inflammatory issues when you compile when you compound that with um a, a state of perpetual upregulation of that part of the nervous system that is wanting to run away from danger all the time, the body isn't in a very receptive place for pregnancy because our bodies only have two imperatives, right? We have the imperative to survive. That's the number one imperative because if you're dead, you can't procreate. And then we have the imperative to procreate. Those are the two things our brains only really care about. At least the primal brain, our thinking brain as humans is much more advanced than that. But the primal brain wants to make sure we can survive the day. And then once we have, it wants us to get pregnant. And those are the two, or to make a baby, those are the two things as mammals we are sort of programmed to do. And when you, when everything is tipped towards being in a state of constant stress and fear, as so many people are stuck in, in our culture, because that's what our culture sets us up to be, mm-hmm. um, then the body doesn't want to procreate. Like, why, why is it, it's, it doesn't feel safe to bring in the vulnerability of a pregnancy if, you're in, if your body is constantly wondering if you're going to make it through the day. What does acupuncture do specifically to get it to that place? Other, the only, I mean, admittedly, I know very little about acupuncture. And I'm also going to ask you that these are, this is a two-part question. One, what is the difference between acupuncture and dry needling? Cause I had dry needling one time and I hated it and apparently people love it. And I'm very confused by that. Cause I was like, this sucks, but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. People love it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm happy to answer. Very excited to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. That's part one. And then, so part two is really, but then how, how does, let's talk about how, what does acupuncture specifically do to, to bring the body out of that stressful state if that's what we're saying is like a huge part of the problem what what is it that acupuncture Mm -hmm. is doing okay so let's take part one of your question okay and i'll i'll back up on that a little bit to say that the chinese medical model is very different from the western medical model Uh one of the things that the chinese medical model asserts is that the human body has a system of energy 
for lack of a better word, energy pathways or chi pathways, that they mm-hmm. are I, I, thinking of them not as really a separate thing, but something that actually exists in parallel with our other systems. So your um, nervous system, for example, there are chi pathways that run concurrently along the nervous system. There, it's not the same thing, but it is, it's, it's kind of integrated into our physiology. Same with, you can almost think of it like your, you know, your cardiovascular system that you have blood vessels and those blood vessels turn into capillaries and those capillaries turn into whatever the small, the teeny tiniest vessels are so that every single cell in your body is ultimately, mm-hmm. um, vascularized by this one system same as your nervous system every system in your body is innervated by the by the nervous system every cell in your body is also sort of impacted by the flow of energy okay i think that having studied this in an integrative way for a long time i would most it's very difficult to make a you know one for one comparison, but I tend to think of chi or the energy that we're talking about here mm-hmm. as actually being really aligned with like the Krebs cycle. That we're talking about mitochondria okay. and the actual production of energy and ATP in the body. And the more efficiently our cells are functioning, the more efficiently they're able to make the energy that our bodies need to function optimally. What acupuncture, sorry, let's go back to dry needling. So what dry needling is is actually um, a co-opting of Chinese medicine that has mm-hmm. been adopted by some other practitioners, most commonly physical therapists yeah, and chiropractors. Mm-hmm. And it involves a weekend course. And to clarify, I attended school for four years and studied yeah. for over 3,000 hours, as well as over 1,000 clinical hours before I was able to practice. I also... Um, studied for over a year before I was able to use a needle even on myself (laughs) and another year before I was putting needles in other people. So the notion that these um, practitioners are unfortunately getting a weekend worth of training to Mm -hmm. use needles and are using them in a way that is uh, frankly nothing to do really with Chinese medicine. Okay. So what dry needling is, is finding points in your body that hurt. Like I have shoulder pain and then mm-hmm. taking needles and putting those needles, sometimes in my, to my understanding, I haven't personally experienced a dry needling session, but from speaking to other people, sometimes in a very aggressive manner, yeah. um, that's like very painful for people to receive. And they're basically finding those, those knots or, you know, adhesions on the surface. So uh-huh. much more to do with musculoskeletal stuff, sticking a needle in them, the kind of jamming a needle in there and really working it to try to get the muscle to release. Right. It's it's just a workaround of, for like a deep tissue massage or a, there's a bunch of different things that you can do to create the same outcome. So this is just kind of a, a trick that some of these practitioners have evolved to, to use. But it really isn't acupuncture. It really isn't Chinese medicine. It shouldn't be viewed as such. Because what Chinese medicine is, now back to that idea that the body has this very comprehensive not only physiology, but energetic physiology. And that Mm -hmm. my role is to kind of find the places in the body where things are not functioning optimally and then use acupuncture to assist in that process. And Uh that means that I'm considering the entire pathway, right? I'm looking at the body and going, okay, well, 
based on the diagnosis that I am coming up with and not diagnosis I've arrived at by having at least an hour long conversation with somebody, I'm getting a huge full medical history. I'm asking them a lot of questions that point me in a direction that's a little, you know, different than um, arriving at an allopathic diagnosis to arrive at a Chinese medicine diagnosis, which is essentially telling me, okay, well, these are the parts of the body that are out of balance. So okay. if you think about that yin yang symbol that we're all familiar with, the black and the white and the two yes. dots, that that symbol is actually, it's as simple as it is, it's actually a symbol of the way that the human body works. And what it is suggesting is that everything in our body, everything in our physiology and in our psyche works in relationship to another aspect of our physiology and our psyche. Okay. And so everything, in order for things to be balanced, our bodies have to be in right relationship to each other. Our, physi our physiology has to be functioning. My stomach has to function properly for my small intestine to function properly, for my body to get the right nutrients absorbed into it, for my blood then to be healthy for that healthy blood to then circulate to all my cells, for my cells to then be able to make energy for me to function and for, and for my body to continue to replicate itself. So what acupuncture is doing is almost a pre-physical look at the body. It's where is the body physiologically not in balance and what do I need to do? How, how can I assist it in writing itself? Mm -hmm. And so that I think is where the nervous system really comes in here because when we are, and this is not, you know, this is not like woo woo or made up at all. When we're in a state of excessive stress, our cortisol levels are heightened. When our cortisol levels are right. heightened, we are likely producing too much insulin. So then that's throwing off digestion or affecting our, our ability to, um, to manage our blood sugar. So then we end up with insulin resistance and then that insulin resistance can then affect our ovaries and the testosterone can then impact androgen levels or affect ovulation. Or, so everything in our bodies are physiologically connected. Mm -hmm. And what Chinese medicine is doing is saying, okay, well, let's back this whole thing up a little bit and go and, and look at it and say, well, if everything is physiologically connected, what's the root of the problem? Whereas allopathic medicine tends to want to jump to the branch and solve it. And it does a really good job of that. Like if I broke my leg in half, I'm not going to go call my acupuncturist. I'm going to go right to the emergency room and they're going to put me right. back together there. Right. Right. But, but if I am, if I, if I have a chronic condition, like an autoimmune condition mm -hmm. and I can't get in front of it and nobody has talked to me about my diet and nobody has talked to me about my sleep hygiene and nobody has talked to me about a variety of other things that have a direct bearing on my immune system and my immune system's capacity yeah. to function. Then that is where Eastern medicine really thrives. It's sort of finding that, that space between for things that are acute and for things that require immediate care. Oftentimes Western medicine is the way to go. Yeah. But if for things that are chronic or for things that, that are honestly normal physiological processes that we're trying to kind of change a little bit, like in the case of fertility, then holistic medicine really has so many more tools to offer people. And so a lot of it, I think, is for people finding ways to just 
learn more for themselves and then find if, if it's something that interests you to find a practitioner. It's not just about acupuncture. And I think that that's important to remember because a lot uh-huh. of times acupuncture can feel, people feel nervous about it. Or as you mentioned, the cost, um, yeah. you know, can get a little bit daunting for people sometimes. And so there's a lot of different, Chinese medicine is a comprehensive model. Just like I was mentioning that whole systems Chinese medicine study that I work with a lot of people on a just um, sort of like a coaching and consulting level where we go through the medical history and we figure out, okay, well, these supplements might benefit you and I'm going to send you some herbs and here are some Chinese medicine modalities that you can practice at home, like using magnets on acupuncture points or ear seeding or moxibustion or even gua sha we see these things all over the place right people are using these gua sha tools on their face to help lift face but you Mm -hmm. can you can use gua sha we use it all over the body as Chinese medicine practitioners i i cured my husband's migraines using gua sha i help people who have menstrual problems using gua sha or migraine. oh yeah that I'd be amazing. happy to, but I think we're far away. From <laughs> we're far away. Well, it, it's so not. <laughs> let me ask you a question too. So, but do you do you run into? I mean, I'm I'm sure that you do. And I'm just curious how you handle it. Do you run into patients that are so wary, or or I'm trying to think of the right even adjectives, jaded, wary, um, distrusting of Western medicine that. You're like, yes, I, I'm doing all that I can. We've done that acupuncture. We've gotten you on, you know, the right, the the diet, the best optimized diet that we can. We're doing everything we can from our end. But like, hey, they're recommending Clomid, uh, you know, or IUI or whatever. And you just, you got to do that. Or how, how do you handle that? Because you you know, as well as I do, that there are plenty of, of uh, Eastern or I don't even want to blame it on Eastern medicine. I would say the whole wellness community in general that would say, you know, the whole, the don't, wellness community in general. Yeah. yeah. Don't do this. Yeah. You don't need to do this. It's not necessary. Right. How do you handle that? You know, I think my patient population is a little bit is a little bit unique insofar as the the motivation to have a baby is really a major drive. For, for people. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I, I mean, it is very, a very, very common scenario in my first conversation with somebody where, whether I'm meeting them in person or virtually or whatever it is, is I'm calling you because I don't want IVF. I'm doing this so that yeah. I can avoid fertility treatments. I want to get pregnant naturally. And my response to that is always, I'm going to do everything I can to help you get there. But right. I, there are things that I can't see and I'm, I've been working on my x-ray vision for 15 years. It hasn't worked yet. Um, So until I can like acquire, (laughs) until I can acquire that skill, it's really important that you go and get an ultrasound so that we can find out, you know, so often the impediment to pregnancy is is a uterine factor meaning there's a septum or a fibroid or a polyp or yeah. something going on in the uterus itself that's impeding implantation. The ovaries and the ability to conceive might be perfectly fine and intact, but if that embryo is getting to the uterus and has nowhere to implant or it can't implant properly, right. then it's going to result in either miscarriage or in an inability to, to conceive in the first place. So 
I always come from the place that information is power and that until we have a, a full diagnosis of what's happening, we can't really make informed decisions. So I always lay it out in terms of time because mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, we all know that like as a society, we have decided that moving childbearing up into a later phase of life is appropriate, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. from from the standpoint of women needing to be educated and having a right to a career and all of that is appropriate to postpone childbearing. But we haven't really done a good job of informing everybody that that means it might be harder. Yeah, your body that does not care. Just because society is a yeah. good idea to wait, your biology isn't necessarily right. on board with this waiting thing. Right. And so for me, it always comes down to honestly, you know, what is the age and the medical history of the person who is coming yeah. to me and saying, I don't want IVF? Yeah. If they're coming to me at 29 and saying, I don't want IVF and I've been trying for a year, I'm going to do everything I can to figure out why it's not working for them and to help them optimize their fertility. And oftentimes it does work out just fine. But if somebody comes to me at 41 with the same scenario, I'm going to say to that person, I will work with you and do everything I can. But it is my strong recommendation that you also go and have a fertility assessment. Because if we get your ovaries humming and you're fertilizing a follicle every cycle, but there's a giant fibroid at the top of your uterus, we're, you're wasting your time. We have right. to get that out. And I can't get that out for you. Like that's, that's the line for me where I'm not going to spend my time on a 40-year-old woman attempting with herbal medicine to shrink a fibroid. Like that's just yeah. not, to me, that's counter to the, unless they're coming to me saying, I'm done having kids. I don't want surgery. Let's go for it. For sure. We can yeah. try to see if we can manage this holistically, right? So it's there's just a lot of cost-benefit analysis that goes into my recommendations. Right. Um, but I think because most of my patients are wanting to conceive, that the motivation to know what's happening is is it's usually different. pretty high. And I'm also, you know, I'm in a really liberal city, and then I'm in a place where people tend to have a little bit more money. I mean, of course, there's plenty of poverty in Los Angeles as well, but yeah. it's a it's a it's a wealthy environment where people tend to be a little bit more willing to part with money when it comes to their health. Or that's just have, sort of the culture here. They have and the I money feel that to part that's with, not the culture you know? in every place. You know, well, it's just not the, the right. financial reality, yes. you know, but, but you also, you've, I mean, you've written, it's a not book the financial and, reality for most people. Yeah. 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 But there are, I, I mean, Sorry, I love that you're that? doing the online, online stuff and you've written a book. And so there are, you know, some, some resources that should be more accessible, but, and I, and going, kind of going back to the, the collaborative effort. I mean, I, I say this all the time. I was, um, interviewing someone about their child having heart surgery. And I said, um, I feel very strongly about second opinions. And if your person, your medical provider is sort of an, giving you like anti-second opinion vibes, then find find a new provider or, or get the second opinion anyway. And I, I think this is kind of a similar situation. Like if you are with someone who is, you know, practicing Western medicine or Eastern medicine and they're anti the other, then... I don't think, I mean, I, I don't think that's right. I don't, I mean, I think you have to have, I, I couldn't agree with you more. On the team. Yeah. And, and, and Western, you know, Western medicine doctors, Absolutely. I think get, we get, so they get so weary about it because you're worried 
that your patient is going to go down this, this rabbit hole of like they're what, what they're worried about is them walking out the door, going into your office or, or not you, but you know, someone in, in your same space and then never coming yes. back again. And they're worried that that person's not going to get the help that they need when in, in reality, it right. should be, gosh, I would love for you to go see your acupuncturist and come, you know, in conjunction with our appointments. Like I would love for you to go see your, the dietitian or the, whatever it is in conjunction with our appointments, let's do yep. this together. And I think the same thing, you know, has to happen on the, on the wellness side. It has to be, you know, there has to be an acknowledgement of my capacity is, is limited. I mean, whether you're a, a, a physician MD or, you know, an acupuncturist or a nurse practitioner or a mm -hmm. dietitian, whatever it is, we're all limited in what we can do. We can't all right. do it all. Um, right. So yeah, I, th I mean, that's just my And there's no opinion. one modality. I, I, I totally agree with you. And there's no one modality that can cure everything. It's just, right. that's not the way the body is so complex. And, and these, these issues that we're facing in our modern society are also so complex. We are functioning right. physiologically in a manner that, our human bodies are not designed to function in. And right. so that is, we're in a constant uphill battle against that reality that the modern world we have created, the habitat that we built for ourselves um, has a lot of really great things about it, but it also has a lot of really negative things about it in mm -hmm. terms of the impact that it has on the human nervous system, which isn't designed to be stressed all the time. Yeah. The mammalian nervous system is designed to be triggered, to run away, and then to resolve the stressor and go back to a state of calm. And most people in the modern world are not living that way. There's just, they wake up and they're too stressed to get out the door, getting their kids out the door. And then mm -hmm. they're late for their first meeting. And then that creates a stressor. And then there's, you know, a million things to do. And then you got to get this done before you get your kids again. And right. then oh, God, go home yes. for your five to nine shift before you get them to bed. And then get to yes. your emails and try to get seven hours of sleep and take Are your you vitamins. And we're all stressed all doing? the time. And that... <laughs> happening. And that's, that's how we're all functioning, right? That's how yeah. we're all living. And that's not how our bodies are meant to go. They're, we're not supposed to function this way. And it over time does harm primarily to the nervous system and then in turn to the physical body. And so we have to find ways to bring our nervous systems back into a place of alignment. And so back to your question about how does acupuncture do that? I mean, on a physiological level, we know that even just the the sensation of the needle, which is a very tiny sensation. I generally equate it to like having your eyebrow plucked. Like it's not, nobody's stabbing you with anything here. It's a tiny little needle going in a couple millimeters into the skin. But just that sensation alone is enough for the brain to start to release endorphins into the bloodstream. And lying still in the space. Now, I don't want to discount the fact that the choice of points that a practitioner chooses based on that Chinese medical model are significant. And so the choices that I'm making are always about bringing the nervous system back into that right relationship about, you know, helping people get out of that fight or flight space, even if it's just for the time they're on my table or for, you know, the couple of hours or the rest of the day, none of this, unfortunately, in most cases is a permanent fix for anybody, which is why people do this on a regular basis in the same way that you would, meditate on a regular basis or 
take beach walks on a regular basis or use mindfulness or, you know, these are all just techniques to help bring our nervous system out of that place of perpetual strain. Um, and then the points that are then chosen kind of direct the energy in the body to wherever we're trying to work. So I'm choosing points that are based on stimulating the ovaries so that they function better or bringing more blood flow to the uterus to help thicken the lining or to the brain to help with the production of the hormones that stimulate the ovaries in the first place. Or in a lot of cases, it's working with digestion because digestion is the center in Chinese medicine, we talk about the digestive system, which is kind of a catch-all phrase for it is the spleen, which is funny because the spleen doesn't really have to do with digestion. So that's the terminology, but really the spleen to me incorporates the entire microbiome and the pancreas. And so a lot of times in my practice, I, I virtually always start there. Are you pooping every day? Are you getting heartburn every time you eat? Are you digesting your food properly? Are you allergic? Are you eating something and finding that you're itchy or full of phlegm? Those are all indications to me that your body is prone to creating inflammation and it probably comes back to those inflammation at the level of the gut. And so we gotta fix that first. So it's really about looking at the body in its entirety and it might seem crazy to somebody who walks in the door and says, I want to get pregnant. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about how you're pooping. But it re they really are directly related to each other. So if you're constipated all the time, your body is not able to conjugate those extra hormones and get them out of your system, for example. And then that can lead to an increase in estrogen dominance and feelings of being hormonal or PMSy or all of that stuff. So our bodies are meant to function, you know, almost like a wheel that turns, like the food comes in, the food goes out. Some of it gets absorbed into the blood. The blood then goes to the cells and the cells use that, that nutrient density to make more proteins or to make the things that we need in order to function or to ovulate or to procreate or whatever, whatever it may be. So it's really Chinese medicine, or I think the general tenet of holistic medicine on the whole is really what can we do to make the body as bring each individual into their own state of homeostasis so that from there we can really see is something, is anything actually wrong or did you just need that correction? If from there we're still seeing, oh yeah, there's all these things that are still going on, then we can pinpoint what they are instead of thinking on this global level that, you know, somebody is just not healthy or whatever it, whatever it may be. Well, this has been super interesting. And I, I love having conversations with people that, you know, see things as a team approach and, and realize the value of everybody that is, you know, trying to, to, to take care of people. So where, where can people find you if they're looking for you? So um, my company is called Mother Nurture Wellness and the website uh -huh. is mothernurturela.com. And there you can find my online courses and as well as information about my um, in-person services and my online coaching services. Mm -hmm. And you can also find me on Instagram at Mother Nurture Wellness and on Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And guys, as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it, uh, share it, subscribe. That's how I continue to get good guests. And I'll see you next week.